Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith. We're just trying to get it together, trying to help the fellow man, hoping we can make it Well, welcome everyone to another episode of The Catch on Blog Talk Radio, and uh, we are very fortunate uh, tonight to have our good friend Randall Balmer back. Um, He is, uh, as you know, uh, an American historian, uh, mainly uh, on aspects of religion in America and especially of evangelical evangelicalism in America, which is, uh, you know, these days uh, received a, a whole lot of criticism and uh, interest and influence and, and all of that. Uh, Randall's been a tremendous voice for reason in the midst of all this. And, uh, Got a couple books that try to explain why we got so into politics and uh, um, the political right and all of that. Uh, he's been very fair, I think. And um, the main thing is he tries to stick to fact uh, more than opinion. And uh, uh, that's the thing I appreciate most about his writing and that's why we love having him on our show. So, Randall, welcome back to uh, Block Talk Radio and The Catch. Hey, John. It's always a pleasure. Good to hear you. Yeah, for sure. Well, I have to say, Randall, you threw me a curve on this on this next book we're going to talk about um, because <laughs> it just kind of came from out of left field. You're talking about sports, <laughs> passion. Uh, passion play and uh, you know uh, sports and religion in America Um, what an interesting topic and and kind of a surprise after most of your other conversation but I guess maybe maybe not as much as it as uh, as we think but uh, you know sports is so fraught with uh, Oh, with big money and ego and uh, uh, who knows. Uh, and, 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 you know, we do see religion and sports as, as expressed by, you know, God. I just want to thank God for helping me beat all those other guys, you know. Um, right. <laughs> or they were praying, too, it seems to me, <laughs> at least some of them. So, uh, right. which makes that an interesting call but uh tell us tell us some of the background what led you to 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 write about this topic and and uh, what are you basically i know you've got a whole book for it but what are you basically trying to say here to us well yeah first of all john i want to point out that in the lead up to your question you appropriated two sports metaphors you're talking about uh, a curve and uh, out of left field 
And uh, there you are. And, uh, there you go. <laughs> and you probably didn't even realize it, but you were using no, the I language didn't. of sports. Uh, and that is uh, very much part of our common conversation these days as Americans uh, to talk about sports. And that's part of the reason that I wrote the book. Uh, I think if I had to give sort of a central idea to the book, uh, and it, it's, it's a bit more complicated than that, but I think the central idea is that it's, it's arguable at least that organized sports has become the new religion in North America. I'm talking about both the United States and Canada, Canada with hockey, of course, being uh, very, very central to their entire identity as, uh, as a people. Uh, but if you look at any index of devotion uh, or passion, I think, in North American life, you see that sports, in many ways, is much more important to people in North America than, than religion is. And, of course, I think that's uh, regrettable, but I think that's also the case, and uh, we have to come to terms with that. Ah, um, wow. Well, what would, uh, what would that mean? Uh, and, and, and maybe, maybe what are some other connections? What are some other, uh, spiritual implications do you see, uh, in, well, in sports? Sure. I, I, I think, you know, I'm a historian, as you said earlier in, in the introduction. Mm-hmm. So that was, for me was really the, the point of entry into this conversation is to look at the development of the four major team sports in North America. And uh, by the way, they really uh, kind of came, uh, came to their more or less present form over a period of about a century from roughly the 1850s, maybe 1840s until the 1940s and 1950s, uh, the post-war period. And that's when all four of these sports really developed uh, quite significantly. And part part of the reason for the um, for the emergence of these sports was a movement that historians call muscular Christianity. And this began in, mm. in Great Britain, actually, in the 19th century, when uh, churchmen, primarily with the Church of England, uh, various uh, ministers or priests with the Church of England, began noticing that women were far more faithful and devout in their churches than men, and and they showed up far more often than men, which, of course, has been the case since at least the late 17th century. And so as a way of trying to revive male interest in Christianity, they devised this movement that, as I said, historians called muscular Christianity that sought to associate the Christian faith with masculinity. And if you're a student of the New Testament, which I know you are, you can easily see how they would do that. Uh, St. Paul talks about running the race and finishing mm-hmm. the course. He talks about putting on the full armor of God. And so these, these metaphors of athleticism and militarism went into this formulation of muscular Christianity. So... Uh, one example of an organization coming out of that would be, of course, the Salvation Army, which is militarism, putting on the full armor of God. The, wow. the best-known athletic 
manifestation of that would be the YMCA, Young Men's Christian Association, which of course uh, sought to combine Christian piety with athleticism. And the whole idea was to provide a, a place of refuge for young men as they were moving into the cities in the late 19th century to keep them out of trouble, trouble, keep them away from the brothels and the taverns and so forth, and keep them occupied with, uh, with athletics. And these ideas of muscular Christianity came over to the United States or to North America. Uh, beginning in 1855, the YMCA establishes a branch in Montreal, Canada, and then later that same year in Boston, Massachusetts. And that's uh, how the YMCA took hold in, in North America. But all of this is a muscular Christianity, and so there is this big push late in the 19th century to associate athletics with Christianity as a way of trying to lure men back to the faith and back to the churches. Ah, interesting. And you see this all. You see this also. I'm sorry to interrupt, uh, John, but you see this also sure. in so-called institutional church movement in the early part of the 20th century, when a lot of churches um, had uh, you know, church league basketball tournaments, for example, or our church mm. league softball teams. Uh, a lot of the churches uh, may have put bowling alleys in their uh, recreation uh, as recreational facilities or even swimming pools, again, trying to emphasize the connection between athletics and, uh, and Christian faith. Yeah. What about uh, fellowship of Christian, isn't it? Called Another great example. FCA. Fellowship? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes would be another uh, perfect example, a beautiful example going? of – I'm sorry? When did they get going? I, I don't remember how far uh, back. You know? if, I remember, if I remember, it was in the 1950s, but don't quote me on that. I don't have that information okay. right hand. But uh, okay. actually, I, my wife and I had to drive cross-country for um, her father's funeral. Uh, and uh, we, as we were driving through Kansas City, I looked up. To the left, and there was the headquarters for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then, of course, you've got those, uh, you know, you got traveling wrestling teams that are... Power team, you know, power team for Christ, yes. And yeah, like that. Yep. yeah, and they're, they're evangelists, basically, and, yep. and they gather a crowd based on their athletic uh, prowess yep. and... Then they right. tell people about Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Athletes in action, of course, would from oh, there you Campus go. Christi would, be would be the yeah, right, exactly. Right. Yeah, all of this is muscular Christianity, and and that is what uh, really, uh, in many ways, propels the popularity of these uh -huh. uh, team sports. Uh -huh. And probably the best example of this is James Naismith, who is the inventor of basketball. And uh, if you have a minute, I'll I'll tell you quickly about his story. Oh, if that's all right. Yes. Uh, James Naismith was uh, was reared in rural Ontario, and he went on to actually study for the ministry, for the Presbyterian ministry at McGill University in Montreal. And then he decided to affiliate with the YMCA. He was affiliated with the Montreal chapter of the YMCA, but he decided to attend the YMCA training school in Springfield, Massachusetts, which which is today which today is known as Springfield College. And while he was there, his uh, instructor, his dean, essentially, 
a man by the by the name of Luther Gulick challenged James Naismith to invent a new game that would occupy young men between the basketball and the football seasons. And so James Naismith went to work and he tried different ideas. Finally, he came up with an idea of uh, throwing a ball into a um, in, into a, uh, a box uh, that would be mounted, mounted at either side of the gymnasium there at uh, at mm-hmm. uh, the YMCA training school. <laughs> and he went to the the uh, superintendent on the grounds there at the school and said, I need a couple of boxes. And, and the superintendent said, well, I don't have any boxes, but I've got a couple of peach baskets. Would that work? <laughs> and so that's how it happened. They uh, mounted wow. these peach baskets on opposite sides of the gymnasium. And uh, Naismith uh, took a soccer ball and uh, instructed the students to try to throw the soccer ball into the peach baskets. And that is how the game of basketball uh, started. And I'm going to go on a little bit farther to talk about uh, James Naismith because he's such an interesting character. As I said, he studied for the Presbyterian ministry. And then after his time in uh, Smithfield, Massachusetts, he applied to be both the athletic director and the dean of the chapel at Kansas University. And he was hired for that. But that symbolizes muscular Christianity because it's the Christian faith with the chapel and athleticism with the uh, being the athletic director as well as the basketball coach. And then one final note about Naismith. Naismith is the only coach, basketball coach, in the history of Kansas University to have a losing record. <laughs> so the man who invented basketball uh, has a losing record as a coach of, of the of the game that he invented. <laughs> wow. Well, what um, what's okay? Let's start with what's good about all this. Um, is there, you know, is there, is there something good about uh, sports being the new religion? Well, it's. Uh, it, it, it's a form of community, I think, and I think that's very important. I have a friend back in Hanover, New Hampshire, which, as, as you know, I teach at Dartmouth College. Yeah. And uh, Rob says, well, I, I'm a Patriots fan, and Rob is actually a, um, a retired college president, so you know he's a man of some stature. And he said, if I'm filling up my car at the gas station and uh, somebody comes up in a pickup truck with a New England Patriots bumper sticker on the back of his truck, we have something to talk about, even though we might be of very different socioeconomic backgrounds, have different political views. Nevertheless, mm-hmm. we have a sense of community because we are fans of, of the same team. So I think there's a sense in which athletics provides, uh, team sports provide a kind of uh, sense of community and, mm-hmm. you know, I think anytime you have a sense of community and uh, a culture that is so divided as ours is right now, that's probably not a bad thing. Uh, yeah. So I, I would think that's probably one thing that's not so bad about uh, yeah. about sports. And I think well, part I, of the I, reason for the attraction of it, um, and this is particularly true for white males, 
uh, I think what sports offers is an alternative universe. That is to say, a world in which there are very clear and delineated boundaries. And if you think about playing fields or basketball courts or even hockey arenas, hockey rinks, um, most of the angles are right angles. Something is either fair or foul. It's either mm-hmm. inbounds or out of bounds. And I think the attraction, again, particularly for white males, is that this is an alternate universe that is utterly fair. Unlike their perception, and I want to emphasize perception, of a world that is not fair, where everyone else seems to be getting an advantage these days. And whether it's, uh, it's uh, uh, admissions quotas or, or um, um, affirmative action in one form or another, all of that is seen, uh, again, per- the perception is on the part of white males that the world is unfair. And the world of athletics offers this alternate universe where everything is very clear. It is also the proverbial level playing field. Uh, where everyone is is judged by his or her athletic skills. And it's probably the closest thing we have in our society to a perfect meritocracy, which is to say, at least at the collegiate and the professional levels, if you aren't skilled, if you don't have the, the talent, you're not going to play. And so it's a meritocracy, again, un- unlike the perception that the world itself is, is, is not meritocracy. Meritocratic, meritocratic. I guess that's word. I that's a yeah. That's a that's a new word for me. Is that connected to to the root is merit? Uh, how you know how good yeah, I yeah, am? Merit. Yeah, right. A meritocracy, okay. right? Yeah. 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 Well, um, yeah. Well, I can certainly think of uh, of. You know, well, even in the black community where sports has brought uh, a lot of people um, meaning and yes. uh, pulled people out of the ghetto and given them something yes. to achieve and shoot for. And and men made many of them quite wealthy at the same time. Uh, Absolutely. But then again, you have to deal with the flip side of that, the the disappointment of yeah. um, um, someone who doesn't make it, who, who uh, ex- uh. expends a great deal of time and energy in that pursuit. And, of course, if you look at the numbers, the, the chances of, of becoming a professional player in, in almost any sport is, is min- minuscule. And uh, then you have that disappointment. I don't know if you know the book Friday Night Lights by H.G. Bissinger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is it's an extraordinary book, but you know the whole saga of Booby Miles, uh, this young black athlete, tremendously gifted, who is clearly on his way to the NFL, and then an injury upends his entire life, and uh, mm-hmm. and he 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 doesn't make it. It's just a very sad, very sad story, but I'm afraid not all that unusual. Yeah, yeah. Well, what? You know, what do you think this all means for us as believers? And yeah. how should we be thinking about Is it okay? Uh, I'm going to spring training in three weeks. Uh, so I, <laughs> Good. 
it's my it's my yearly uh, totally. one time I get to to to, to be totally by you know by my by myself on a road trip and uh, I usually get a couple couple seats you know for spring training games right around March sure. and uh, it's just a great time for me I love it you know sure you know sure. It, how much time well, do you, it, what what do you say about things like that. <laughs> well, I mean, first of all, what you're talking about is a pilgrimage. <laughs> so that's a, yeah, very, very much a religious uh, act. Exactly. And you think about yeah. also, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back to your question here in a minute here, John, but sure. you think also about uh, the Super Bowl last, um, last Sunday night. Mm-hmm. And you have something that resembles sacred space. Now, mm-hmm. that's a new stadium and probably doesn't have quite the same... Uh, valence or meaning that, uh, say, Lambeau Field in Green Bay or Fenway Park in Boston or Wrigley Field in Chicago has. But nevertheless, it's 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 sacred yeah. space. You look at the players running onto the field. Uh, it looks like a liturgical procession to me, right? Is <laughs> including with all the smoke and 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 fire, which uh, you know sometimes you have uh, you have incense uh, that uh, in in a liturgical procession. Uh, you've got uh, uh, you've got uh, rules, a rule book uh, similar to the Bible, which would be the rule book for the NFL. Uh, you've got authority structures, authority figures, uh, referees, and the highest authority, of course, is the commissioner. Um, you, you've got all of this this ritual stuff going on, and mm-hmm. uh, football. Also, I haven't really talked about this yet, but football is. A military game that is it has to do with the conquest and the defense of territory yeah. and it was devised uh, as we know it, uh, it evolved out of rugby but it as as we know football today it was really uh, formulated by the sons brothers and nephews of Union Army soldiers after the Civil War the first uh, intercollegiate football game was uh, was played in 1869 so it's a military game and there's all sorts of military language associated with the game of football. The quarterback is the field general who unleashes long bombs or bullet passes. Uh, you've got uh, the trench warfare with the, the offensive line and the defensive lines, you know, um, very much similar to how World War I was, was fought. Um, you've got uh, various very famous plays, Hail Mary passes, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers immaculate reception, you know, all of these things, uh, very much militaristic. And also, if you watch the game, and I tried to watch only the game and not all the the silliness leading up to it, but after the national anthem, you had the Jets flying over the stadium, right? Yeah. The mil- militarism is all this permeates the game uh, of football. Now, I you, I want to get back to your question: um, How do we? Deal, how do we as believers deal with this? First of all, I think I'm not sure there's much we can do to, to deal with it. That is, it's here, yeah. it's uh, yeah. it's yeah. passionate, and you know, especially if you listen to sports radio at any time, you get a sense of the passion that mm-hmm. that fans bring to organized sports. And that was actually one of the reasons I, I started writing the book is that I was fascinated by the passion as I started listening to uh, sports radio in the yeah. early 19. 90s, the you know the the fact that these uh, hosts could sustain a conversation for four hours 
over whether or not Joy, Joe Torrey should have listed the starting pitcher with two outs in the bottom of the sixth inning, you know, <laughs> things like that. I mean, just or the Jets should have gone for it on fourth and three at the 42-year two-yard line. Yeah. I mean, these and these are just impassioned discussions over it's a game, right? It's a game, but again, I think it's important to a lot of people. So it's there. It's part of it. Part of, and you see churches trying to adapt to it with Super Bowl Sunday oh, watching yeah. parties and things like that. Um, but yeah. um, it's it's it, it is the new religion, I think, in America. And I think Super Bowl Sunday is our holy day in hmm. American hmm. life. And, and I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm just describing the situation. I think it's just part of part of our the fabric of American life these days. Well, it, it it certainly is, and uh, you know, I think I, I'm just thinking in terms of of uh, what we can find that's good, and uh, you know, I I have a tendency to find a lot of good things in sports. Um, yeah, I, I you know, I I appreciate the beauty of. I mean, I, I remember we were huge. Absolutely. We were huge uh, uh, Joe Montana, Jerry Rice fans, you know, and just sure. watching, it was almost like watching a ballet. This is yes. the way the athleticism is, is such a beautiful thing when it, you know, that God has given us the ability to do things like this. You know, that's, right. there's, I would, I would find actually a sense of praise there, you know, and, Yes, and then, then there are people. There are people who do really good things with with their money. You know, philanthropy is, is pretty uh, on, on the rise among a lot of the players. And uh, sure. I remember uh, uh, just recently when uh, uh, in the I guess it was the AFC, you know, no, the NFC game with the Lions and the Rams, and you yes. had. It was that was interesting because of the switch of the quarterbacks and uh, yes, uh, yeah, and yet you know, and yep. Stafford was 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 really loved and revered in many ways yep. uh, in in Detroit because they got so involved in the community and and uh, yeah, to watch some of the things they did, it was pretty amazing. I mean, they would go in and 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 he'd do sports uh, football clinics and his wife would would lead cheerleaders you know f- yep. with the with the kids and uh, spend yep. their time like that i and i just think that mm-hmm. there are things you can point out in other words yeah that are well good. you're talking about one of one of my heroes i i i'm a big fan of matthew stafford and ah. you know he i uh, and i i admire him as well i mean and and when he was traded to the rams he <laughs> and kelly gave another million dollars to the city of Detroit or to some organization wow. in Detroit to, to help kids. I mean, he's, he's really extraordinary guy. I have to tell you also, uh, John, that I've been a fan of the Detroit lions for 60 years. That's six zero years, oh, wow. which gives you an idea how old I am. And this year we came close. And I think next you year. Came we'll close. Really I was, yeah, yeah, I was really actually, <laughs> I was actually pulling for you guys. I was hoping that you were going to make it, you know, to the yep. to the Super Bowl. Yeah. I thought that I think that would have been wonderful. But 
who, well, who knows? Next you know? year. <laughs> next so I guess I guess we we just need to, you know, what would be your advice to us as as believers? You just kind of weigh this stuff and and not let it get out of hand. Uh, perhaps. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I think so. And I think that there are lessons to be learned from the history. Now I haven't really talked about this, but. Um, I get it in the book. I get into the history of of these sports and mm-hmm. and with football in particular, the 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 various attempts to desegregate the game I think are very instructive. And yeah. I think we can learn from that. And uh, I, I think sports also sometimes uh, is a harbinger. That is, it 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 anticipates larger changes in the culture. Uh, for example, the, the example that I think is is probably the most um, arresting is uh, Jackie Robinson integrated Major League Baseball on April 15, 1947. And that was more than a year before Harry Truman desegregated the U.S. Armed Forces. So here's hmm. an example of how sports really uh, anticipates uh, some hmm. of the changes that are going on in the larger society. And I think, yeah. you, know, uh, you know, racial relations, at least among teammates, for the most part, uh, really are exemplary. Uh, that is to say, you have um, you know, athletes of color and, and, and white athletes uh, getting along together as teammates yeah. uh, with remarkably little conflict. Now, I'm sure that's not universally the case, but uh, as I think about it, you know, this is an example of how we can get along together as individuals in a, in a multicultural society. Yeah. I thought it was interesting, too, your reference to how the rule book, you know, sports has the rule book and it's either in or it's out. And it's, uh, you know, that in light of a, in light of a postmodern culture is, yes. you know, yep. which tells us, you know, truth is just up to whatever you want it to be. Uh, Relative. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 There, there are illustrations. There are they not? We can say, yep. You know, we've got to have some rules, or we're not going to be able to live together. <laughs> exactly. No, I think yeah. that's right. And you know, the, the example I use is that you know, if if I get called uh, for strike three by the umpire, I can't turn back and say, "Gee, ump, you know, I've had a bad day. <laughs> you know, I didn't get much <laughs> sleep last night. Give me another yeah. strike, right? You just don't do that in 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 sports." And that's unlike, again, the perception in the larger world that uh, that everything is uh, is unfair. And yeah. uh, I emphasize it's per- uh, perception. I think uh, white males have plenty of privilege in this world, and I'm one of them, so I understand that too. But um, I, I, the allure of sports, of team sports, is that this is an alternate universe that uh, uh, where everything is 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 strictly accounted for, and and you don't have ambiguity. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, what's the title of the book again? Passion plays. Passion, passion plays. How yes. religion shaped sports in North America, and okay. I focus on uh, baseball, football, basketball, and hockey. Uh, mm-hmm. Baseball, by the way, uh, is uh, the quintessential immigrant immigrant game because it's the only game where the defense controls the ball. 
and it's the <laughs> object of the offensive player to disrupt the defense's control of the ball. He's outnumbered <laughs> nine to one, just like many immigrants in the 19th century. Yeah. Wow. And there are only th- three islands of safety out in that hostile world, first, second, and third base. And the greatest triumph, of course, is to return home. Home. So, <laughs> uh, so that's great. the immigrant game. So I, I, I would think that reading this book then would, would help me maybe make some connections with, uh, with even sports and with truth and with what I believe. Uh, is that I true? Think so. <laughs> I yeah? think so, yes. Absolutely. And you know, always... there's, some, there's some great great stories in there, too. There's wonderful stories in there. In the okay. Um, okay. Yeah. I, have a fo- I have a photograph, for example. Uh, one of the things I argue about baseball related to what I just said is that uh, it's, the, it's a quintessential immigrant game, and immigrants have always and outsiders have always excelled at the game of baseball. So in the 19th century, it would be immigrants from, say, Scandinavia or Germany. Uh, more recently, of course, uh, with Jackie Robinson, you have uh, athletes of color playing Major League ga- Baseball. And more recently, as you know, being a baseball fan, it's uh, immigrants from uh, the Caribbean, particularly the Dominican Republic, uh, and also for um, uh, for Asians, you know, uh, the uh, Shoei Otani uh, as, as an example of that. And there's the, uh, I have a, a photograph in the, in the book of three New York baseball players, one each for the New York Giants, the Brooklyn Dodgers, and the New York Yankees. Uh, Jackie Robinson, the black player, of course, for the Dodgers. Uh, Sid, uh, what was his name? Sid something, Jewish player for the, the Giants. And Joe DiMaggio, Italian, for the Yankees, as an example of how immigrants uh, excel at the game of baseball. Wow, that's great. Wow. Um Randall, our time is up. I can't believe how fast it goes. Um, but have you, are you familiar with Michael O'Connor's book, Sermon on the Mound? Have you seen that? I don't think I, I don't think oh. I have, no. Okay, okay. Mm. You've got to get this book. Um, I'll, okay. I'll, I'll have to see. He's a good friend of mine, and I ran into him at, at uh, Mount Hermon Conference Center in California. Sure, yeah, sure. And, uh, yeah, uh, but let me. I gotta. I gotta turn you on to this book by reading the first page. I, uh, the first sentence. I really think this is the, one of the best first sentences of any book I've ever encountered. He goes, "I believe in two things: God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Creator of heaven and earth, the beginning and the end, the Alpha and Omega, the one and only source." from which all life flows and baseball. Everything everything else is just sports and religion. I love it. I love it. Well, you also know that baseball is God's game, right, John? You understand that? Right. Well, because it's it's the first first chapter in the Bible. In the big inning, God created the heaven and the earth. In the big inning. Oh, well, Well, Randall, thanks. Thanks for helping us. uh, And I really do think this will help us think. uh, I don't know. I I always love uh, Harry Blameyers, who coined the phrase thinking Christianly. And I I, I just think there's a way to think Christianly. It's just about everything. And I think you 
he showed us that we can even think Christianly about sports instead of, you know, uh, getting getting pulled away. We can actually help uh, help cement the things that we already believe. Uh, right. Perhaps would you say? I believe that. I believe okay, that. so do you think yep. I have? Do I have? Uh, do I have the 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 blessing of the Episcopalian uh, priest to uh, go to spring training <laughs> and enjoy my angels? Oh, absolutely! No, it's, it's a pilgrimage, uh, John, and you need, you need to do that. Absolutely, and uh, you'll encounter sacred space there uh, <laughs> in, at spring training. There's no question about that. <laughs> okay. All right, Randall. Thank you. Uh, and uh, we'll have you again soon. Um, you, you just keep turning out these books so fast, I can't keep up with you. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's always fun, John. Thank you. Okay. All right. God bless. You too. Thanks. Well, there you go, folks. That was fun. There's a spiritual way to look at anything. To the including John Bush. And uh, help you connecting life. Oh, you run out and get out. Get, get that fashion place. And anything else that this man has written, uh, he's a very valuable historian in, in our culture and very important to our Christian faith. Putting faith with the way we live today. And that's what we like to do on this show. So, God bless you. Join us next week for another exciting interview uh, on Block Talk Radio, The Catch. God bless you. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.